0: So I want to give you a little bit of uh, context and framing uh, for what we're going to do this afternoon. Uh, And this is our second to last uh, U-Turn marriage session. Uh, Very excited. Uh, There's going to be, this was always a beginning of what we are going to do to invest in marriages in our church. Uh, Invest in uh, redefining what singleness looks like in a church community that wants to uphold marriage, honor marriage, Uh, but at the same time, not just make that the only thing to do in a church, uh, but rather just continue to figure out a way to build community. One of the most unique things about our church, I was talking to several young adults today about this, one of the most unique things about our church uh, is many churches begin from a starting point of segregating everybody in young adult capacity, youth capacity, uh, older people capacity, uh, senior capacity, and they move them into their sections, hoping to integrate them at some time. And what God seems to have done with our church is we kind of move multi-generationally. And we move in a way where everybody kind of just syncs up and they serve together. Uh, And so we're actually at the place that every church wants to move towards. And we kind of just have lived in that kind of a space. So it's fantastic. And so there's a lot of things that we're going to build and retreats that we're going to promote. And marriage conferences in the future that we're going to say, hey, let's grab who wants to go to this. And we'll all go up to places like Whistler. That's usually where they have them. Uh, fun marriage conference type things like that, uh, but we're just going to continue to embark on uh, a marriage uh, investment. And so, one of the big things that we wanted to do was just start somewhere. So, begin in a way where we started. The question was happening. If you're new to church, not you guys new to church, but as new people are coming into church, it's neat for them to hear that there is is a marriage course going on uh, and there is stuff being invested into marriages. Uh, and so, this is a very exciting session for me. So. Uh, what, um, I've invited uh, Wayne and Lori Coffin, I'm going to bring them up in a moment, uh, to speak today uh, is specifically on the category of fulfilling each other's dreams. Uh, and so without getting uh, too long on why they are here, um, I believe in particular that they've really honed this area of their life. Uh, of Actually, there were some of the models of marriages that I was looking at at one time, uh, of how people have done uh, really well at turning towards each other in the area of finances in particular. So there's three areas that everybody thinks they're naturally going to be good at in marriage. Uh, and that's kids for one. They just think everybody's going to be, they'll be okay with kids. Uh, sex is another one and finances is another one. And those are three areas that just about every marriage needs some degree of help coaching. Uh, and, and certain ones need coaching from a distance on, not really up close and personal. Thank you, Daniel. But, uh, but, but they isn't something that we all start with, the ability to know how to do it. And we need other stories. We need, we need narratives of how people have done it, how they have overcome, and how they are moving towards something. Uh, because we believe in our church that marriage is something that we work on and work in. And it's not just something that we just kind of put off to the side or hope that we get through it. It's something that we are constantly working in, constantly working on, And they're doing it together. And so the premise of this whole marriage course is turning face to face. So in marriage, if you have turned towards each other ever so slightly, more than you had before, you're already on the progression towards a godly, glorious marriage. Uh, Even the smallest baby steps have massive ripples. uh, And it just extends beyond. So uh, in particular, uh, Wayne and Lori have done a fantastic job. Uh, at serving each other and laying their lives down for each other. And I've spent quite a bit of time uh, with both of them, uh, and, uh, and in particularly Wayne, and hearing their stories, uh, even hearing uh, that both Wayne and I were pastor's kids uh, growing up. And so we have interesting stories that we share together of different traumas. Uh, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a very exciting uh, world for us to grow up in. Uh, and, uh, and so it's very exciting for me to uh, just have them here tonight, Uh, this afternoon, uh, for them to share with you from their lives uh, and some amazing teaching stuff that they have and that they've built in their life and that they're continuing to build. And my favorite part about their gift and their story and their life uh, is this is something that when they leave here today isn't something they're just teaching for the sake of them looking good. They're applying it all, if not more, uh, in their lives on a daily basis. And so I just want to welcome them and applaud them. And we'll welcome them up right now. And I will pray uh, for them before we go. So I will just pray in general. So Father, I thank you for this day and I thank you for godly marriages and a godly couple in particular. And we pray that you would be glorified this day, uh, that your hope for us and for the marriages that are here and those that are coming in uh, even late, would you be here today? And would you fill us with joy beyond present circumstances? We thank you for this day. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Hang on, we're good? All right. All right. Thanks, everybody, for the welcome. Um, I'm Wayne. This is Lori. I'd like to say thanks to Pastor Sam and uh, Maddie, who's not going to make it this evening, um, as well as Pastor Randy and Christine for uh, asking us to speak to you today. Um, We were asked, uh, particularly by Sam, he approached us and asked us to speak about uh, fulfilling each other's dreams. And as I thought about it for a little bit, I thought, what does that mean exactly? I'm trying to get the context of what Sam was thinking. And, of course, my mind immediately went to, is this like a bucket list of dreams, like a list of things, or what does this mean? Um, so that could be things like places you've always wanted to visit or experiences you'd like to have or maybe things you'd like to have and so on. Uh, a bucket list of things is uh, is not a bad thing, but uh, Lori and I want to take it a little bit deeper and uh, a little bit further. Uh, we have this idea that in between all these items on a list of things that you want to do or have or experience. Uh, There's a lot of of living that has to take place in between. And uh, that's what we want to focus a little bit on here today. Uh, In addition to, I've always wanted to visit Italy or maybe own a vacation home or uh, so on. We think that part of fulfilling each other's dreams is things like uh, having a happy marriage, uh, financial security, and inviting a peaceful home. And of course, let's also not forget, and we should always consider uh, God's... uh, Vision and plans and dreams for our lives, as well also keeping Him at the center. So is what I want to talk to you a little bit about today. Um, some of your dreams in marriage are shared dreams, things that you're going to do together and uh, common ideas and things. Uh, other dreams are unique to only one of you. Those are okay. Let's be dream fulfillers for our spouses. Um, I love that Lori's different than me. Uh, we're into different things. Uh, whereas we both have called to the mission field, we've been to uh, some places. Lori will share with you in a little bit. Um, but she's a Uh, a prayer warrior so she's on the intercession of administration and teaching and uh, so i teach the kids in sunday school so that's kind of my thing and and not so much Lori's, but it's it's both all good
2: wayne and i have been married for 23 years on friday
1: it's friday may
2: 29th our wedding anniversary and we met, actually, 28 years ago. We're both from Newfoundland. We actually met at McDonald's. <laughs> we both worked there when we were, like, 20. <laughs> Too funny. Um, he asked me out. We went out on a first date. And uh, when he dropped me off, we, we, it was a great date. We just talked and talked and talked. And when he dropped me off at my house... I remember leaning back against the door. I was in the foyer and I just leaned back against the door and I said out loud, I just met my future husband. I just knew that I knew that I knew I was going to marry Wayne, first date. But I didn't have a clue how to do marriage. I had no idea. My family was not very loving. They were very distant. My parents didn't give me a good example. So I didn't really know how to have a good relationship. You know, relationships are tough anyway. And then this is a very intimate relationship. So, you know, we have dreams for a marriage. We have dreams for our lives. But, you know, does God really care about our marriage? Does he really care about our dreams? Uh, we want to try and give you some answers to those things, maybe some tools that you can put into, your, uh, into practice in your own marriage to help you live face-to-face And help you fulfill some of the dreams that you have for your life. And also God has for your life.
1: Um, Lori mentioned that we were married 23 years ago this coming Friday. And uh, still have a copy of our wedding invitation. And uh, every now and then, you know, being a little sentimental myself, I'll pull this out and I'll just kind of reread it. It Brings back the memory. We have, of course, a home video and stuff. Just want to share with you the opening paragraph on our invitation is what it says. On this day, I will marry my friend. The one I laugh with, live for, love. And then, of course, it goes into the usual names and addresses and when the ceremony is taking place and so on. I love that because even looking back on it, I married my best friend. Um, Maybe some of you are not in that place right now. It takes a little bit of work. I understand that. But today, you know, we continue working on that best friend relationship and we're still best friends today. Uh, The first tip I want to put up on the whiteboard here uh, in terms of remember randy was talking about valley decisions remember that in first session um as i thought back on it uh i realized that we had made a valley decision a number of years ago not in the beginning it took a little while it was a process but the first valley decision we made was to get rid of the d word the d word divorce no longer on the table so we took the d word out of the equation Divorce is not an option, as I said. took it off the table. All it can do is breathe an atmosphere of uh, insecurity and uncertainty. Uh, can I be completely vulnerable with my spouse if there's always that lingering threat that they could leave?
2: So what we did effectively is remove the threat that one of us was going to leave. We're going to work it out no matter what. So you shut that door behind you. We did that very early on, like the day we married. We, we kind of did that. But we talked about it early in our marriage. Mm-hmm. We do have a really great marriage now. It's one of the great blessings of our life. We really enjoy each other. But we've had a lot of challenges and things along the way. It's not to say that we've arrived and we never face anything. Um, We've had a lot of challenges to the Valley decision not to get a divorce. And uh, some of those adversities and challenges that we've gone through, just to give you an example, we've had some estrangement in my family. uh, Very difficult lengthy estrangement. We've had mental illness in our family. We've had an infertility battle. And, you know, those things can really drive you apart or they can drive you together. We've had a a health scare, a very serious health scare, which I'll tell you about in a moment. Uh, We've had a a failed adoption. We tried to adopt a little girl from Russia, and it didn't work out after five years. So you can imagine... We had to come together during that time. Uh, We had the illness of our parents. Only one of our four parents is still alive, my mom. Our other parents passed away, two of whom had cancer. So we've had lots of really difficult things that we've had to work through. Not easy things, not things that were resolved just in a moment, but sometimes it took a bit of time to resolve some of these issues. Uh, One of the things that happened, the health scare that happened... Uh, it was around 2000. I was actually told that I might have a brain tumor. And you can imagine, it just... It was like a dark cloud descended over me. I was so scared. And the way Wayne reacted to that, it was really the first challenge in our marriage, the first test, I would say, of a real difficult thing. And the way Wayne reacted was amazing. He came to me. He drew closer to me. He knew I needed comfort. I was very scared. And he brought me flowers and it was he, we cried together. It was amazing. And he, he advocated for me with the doctor and everything. And it turned out everything was fine. But you know what it taught me was that our marriage is going to be okay. We're going to make it based on that one first major challenge that we had because I saw that he really loved me. I felt loved and I felt protected. We actually ended up becoming stronger after that experience. We've had a lot of joys in our marriage, too. I don't want to say that it was all negative things. We've had so many joys, and we like to focus on the joys a lot. Um, We've seen some reconciliation in our family from the estrangement, which is an amazing miracle that God did. We've had a, a ministry ministering to orphans in Uganda. We opened an orphanage in Uganda. Um, we've ministered in many different countries, orphans, orphans. It just seems like orphans are around us all the time. We've been in four different orphanages. Like, I don't know anybody else who goes to orphanages as much as we do. So it's, it's pretty cool. We've had mission trips to Ukraine. We've been to Russia. We've been to Uganda. We saw the salvation of my dad when my dad was fighting cancer. I had the privilege of leading him to Christ. It was so amazing. He, Dad practically ran into the arms of Jesus. It was awesome. So we celebrated that. We, we rejoice with each other in our, in our joys and in our, in our victories and also in the hard times. We turn towards one another. We're very intentional about that. The thing we realize that is that the difficult times can be really sacred. Even though they're hard, they can be some of the things that you'll look back on and go, wow. That was what I remember, and it really brought a breakthrough in our depth of intimacy. You can actually go really deep when you're facing something so real as like a brain tumor. You know, you, you actually really do figure out what matters, and you, you can make a difference in the life of your partner, the way you respond. We've noticed also that um, when you're successful in your in your married life, God really cares about our marriages. And I remember, I used to think, ah, oh, he doesn't really care about that, or it doesn't really matter how I speak to Wayne. I just want to go for ministry, you know? And it's like, no, wait a minute. When you have a good relationship with your spouse, and you're a certain way in private, God will in, increase your influence. Because it, the scriptures talk about, you know, if you're choosing a um, an elder, it needs to be someone who you know, can manage their family and so on. Because if they can't marry their, manage their family, how can they manage God's family? So there's like this influence that grows um, when you put your marriage, make it a priority. And it's like the kingdom of God starts from that place. It starts from your home life. And then God God can multiply that out. And we've learned that. And Pastor Andy has mentioned that before. And it, it just resonates. Um how we treat our spouse, how we talk about our spouse, how we pray for them. God sees and hears it all, and it affects our anointing. So we really honor one another and try to walk in unity together so that we protect that unity of the Spirit so that God can use us in the kingdom.
1: So how do you see your spouse? Next bullet point. You should see your spouse in the Spirit.
2: Can you guys see that over on the side? Can you guys... Are you okay?
1: Everybody okay? Good. Yep. All right. So, i to show you something um, that I've had displayed on uh, a desk in my office for some time. And um, it's this picture. This That's is my lovely wife <laughs> at about the age of three. Mm-hmm. Now you're probably thinking... Now, why in, the heck, why in the heck would you have a picture of a three-year-old wife in your office? When I saw this picture, we were back uh, going through some photos and stuff at Lori's place. When I saw this, this picture reminded me that she was once a little girl. T- for 20 years before we even met, uh, God knew her. He knew me. But this little girl, at three and so on, uh, had hopes and dreams. And she wondered who was going to be her future husband. What was her life going to be like? And immediately this picture struck me that I am the answer to that. I'm the future husband of this little girl. So that means it's my responsibility uh, to be the husband that she hoped for and dreamed and the husband that uh, God had planned for her. So good. Yeah.
2: He's my Prince Charming. <laughs> and how awesome that he sees that, he understands that. So it's really his his revelation of that has really blessed me a lot. Um you know, do you see your spouse as an enemy? It's a lot of people do. They see their spouse as an enemy or as competition. We're not competition. We're supposed to be on the same team. We're supposed to be fighting for one another, right? And walking together. And we found we've had to cultivate a godly attitude about that towards our spouse on purpose. It's not going to come naturally. It doesn't come naturally. Because we can be selfish in our own selves, so we're trying to get rid of the flesh. We're trying to, you know, die to self and love. We're learning how to love, and it's one of the things that God has taught us in marriage. Um, we can learn to do this. We can learn. And sometimes when we blame each other and neglect each other, um, we shouldn't. We shouldn't be doing that. We should be encouraging one another. Um, Our spouse is not our enemy. You're a team in order to achieve God's destiny for your life. Um, As a couple, a lot of times I found uh, we have a ministry together as a couple. A lot of times you'll have a certain call or a certain direction as a couple blessing on the family. And um, it's important to see each other in the spirit. There really is a higher reality than what you're just seeing in the natural. There's the spirit realm, right? Right. So you can ask God to let you see who your spouse is in the spirit. What gifts do they have? You can ask the Lord these things. We've done that. And God has really shown us things and opened our eyes. He'll give you revelation of their gifts and their strengths. You're with your partner to help them achieve their destiny by your support, your encouragement, your friendship, your prayer. You know, if you think about it, who else is going to pray for your partner like you will? Who else cares about your partner more than you do? You know, if, if who's going to pray for Wayne if it's not me? And the great thing is, I'm his wife, and so I have authority in a spiritual realm. <laughs> when I was a little girl, I used to try and encourage my dad. My dad was very depressed and stayed at home a lot. And the Lord showed me recently I was not his wife. That was my mom's role. Because I, I could never encourage him. But now, as Wayne's wife... I'm going to encourage him, lift him up, pray for him. And as the wife, I have authority in that realm.
1: And, of course, as a husband, I have authority here. And the way I'm going to pray for Lori is a completely different way than friends or anybody else will. Yeah. Okay. One of the ideas that uh, Sam shared with me that uh, he wanted to make sure we covered, uh, it was kind of ironic because it's a huge theme in our marriage. And um, it's right up here. It's intentionality. This is a theme that runs through our marriage. Uh, We plan well, we aim for what we want. I mentioned earlier that we're both from Newfoundland. We still try and get back every couple of years or whatever. So a few years ago, we went back and uh, we were visiting some family friends who had a summer place on this very large bay, uh, which was part of the Atlantic Ocean. And uh, we decided that afternoon that uh, two couples, myself and Laurie, and uh, another couple would jump in their ocean-going speedboat and we were going to go about 10 or 15 miles across the bay to this island, to a beach that you can only get to by boat. I thought this would be kind of fun. So off we went. When we started heading back, my friend said, hey, Wayne, do you want to drive the boat back away?" And I said, yeah, that'd be great. This thing had 200 horsepower. Why would I say no? Come on, guys. Come on. 200 horsepower boat on the ocean. So I'm driving along there for a little while, and I guess he starts to notice that I'm not really aiming for anything. It's just kind of kind of going in the right direction you know kind of west and that's right but uh he said you need to sort of correct the boat and get aiming for where you want to go now i'll tell you a little bit about the town uh where it was it's a town called Holyrood, and it's uh, a small little town but up on the hill there's a huge cross which they light up at night and you can see it for miles so he says wayne you see on the nose of the boat there's a point i said yeah he said, now, do you see the cross on the hill way across the bay there, across the water? I said, yeah. He said, just line up the point on the boat to that cross, make little corrections as you need to, and you'll get there. Wow. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, did he ever teach me a life lesson right then? Wow. And how ironic that it was a cross, across the water. I mean, Sam, you can use this on Sunday. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of material here. But, uh, but what it taught me was, if I got to get somewhere, I need to aim for something. Make little corrections as I go. Because he explained to me, if you don't do it now and keep the corrections, you're going to end up way off course, needing a big correction to get back. Oh, awesome yeah. So we've become very intentional. Uh, you have to aim for where you want to go in life. Um, we're actually very intentional in many areas of our lives. So we're going to kind of build off this intentionality and, uh, and go from there. Um, one area that Sam mentioned at the start of the talk here that we're very intentional in is in finances and goal setting. Staying straight. Good. All right. Um, we've discovered that fulfilling many of our dreams does take money and planning good stewardship. Remember, the money's all God's, right? It's all cool. As long as we're clear. Um, we have what uh, I had shared with Sam at one point. We have an, an AGM, an annual general meeting. Uh, we kind of run our, uh, our, our family a little bit like a business. And I guess that comes about honestly because my background is actually uh, the airline industry. I now actually sell motorcycles at a dealership. That's a, another story. But my background was corporate world where there was lots of boardroom meetings and fiscal this and fiscal that and fleet planning and uh, quarterly results and things like that. So what started out originally as New Year's resolutions, which maybe some of you do, lose weight, go to the gym, take a holiday, whatever it is, you kind of think maybe at the end of the year what you want to do next year. That's how we started. But my corporate world sort of turned into that and we sort of started talking about um, different areas of our life uh, and uh, started to plan for it. So it turned into our very own AGM, or annual general meeting. So we continue to do this. It's one of our favorite things to do. We look forward to it every year. We tend to do it between Christmas and New Year, often up in the Soyuz. Uh, we set the mood, maybe light some candles. All the chores are done so there's no distractions. The TV is off, maybe a little soft music. First thing we do, we give thanks to God. We invite him in because we are thankful for everything he's done in the last year and that he's going to do in the future. Um, and then we pray for guidance. So we're asking for him to guide us. And then from there, we take notes so we can kind of keep ourselves on course and keep track and check in from time to time through the upcoming year to make sure that it's it's going as we plan. We discuss finances, budgeting, saving, investing, and so on, how we've done and what we plan to do next year. We also discuss short and long-term dreams. What about vacations, time off, Things we want to do more of, things we want to do less of. Uh, What about social life? Visiting family. Do we go to Newfoundland this year or not? What about Ontario? We have family back there. Uh, What about fun ideas, things we can do? Keep it fun. It's not all about just the money and so on. But maybe what about some fun things we can do for the day? Maybe we can be tourists in our own town. Just kind of make a list, just throw the ideas out. We share our hearts and ideas as a family. We set realistic goals.
2: We love our AGM times. So funny. We call it an AGM, but it's kind of like a tongue-in-cheek. It's a little cute, you know? Mm-hmm. It's it's very endearing to us, but it's an opportunity to dream together. It's an opportunity that we intentionally set aside to talk about our dreams, talk about our goals, talk about our future. We usually set short-term goals, long-term goals. Um, we talk about finances, things we've been able to accomplish. We reflect back on the year, and we just... We absolutely love it. It's something that has evolved over the years into something really special. We've been able to finance some of our dreams coming out of the AGMs and also even other people's dreams we've helped um, fulfill. We we see each other as kingdom builders. You know, we're kingdom builders. We are, all of us are kingdom builders. And Wayne and I try to view money and our lives as tools in God's hand to build up the kingdom. And so when when you kind of have that perspective it's not mine. It's not his. It's God's. And however he wants to use it. And it's really brought a lot of blessings, a lot of joy to our lives when we keep that perspective. Pastor Randy talked about perspective today. Uh, we, all, we aim to be pleasing to Jesus in, in the finances. We're very intentional about that. One of the things that we're very intentional about is cultivating generosity. Mm-hmm. We aim to be generous on purpose. We love being generous. It brings so much blessing and joy. We actually have joy in the giving. It's, I can't, you can't outgive God. We've noticed that. You give, and then all of a sudden you're blessed in a way you didn't expect. And it's just a spiritual principle, you know, sowing and reaping. In Luke 16:9 to 12, we see that Jesus values generosity. And trustworthy money man- money management. The rewards are not only in this life, but they're eternal life, eternal rewards. And as we so generously were able to make other people's dreams come true, and we will reap a similar blessing. Wayne and I also budget. We have a budget. That old-fashioned word. <laughs> it's not really old-fashioned. It's we kind of think of it as like responsible money management. We know how much comes in, we have a budget for how much goes out, and we want to try and always make sure we have a little left over. And we plan for the future, but we also have fun money. We give each other fun money. It's like you just take this, do whatever you want, there's no accountability. You can just go have fun, I can get my nails done, Wayne can go have wings, whatever.
1: Yes. <laughs> she buys flowers, I get chicken wings. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> They're totally different.
2: Men and women We're on are channel. different. <laughs> Um, but we also try to leave room for margin we we live below our means and you can put margin up there we try not to live maxed out because we don't want money to be a worry or a concern and we want to leave some room to allow us to fulfill some of these dreams that god has you know if god has a call for africa on our lives which he does we have to have some money in the bank to be able to go (laughs) right so it's like planning and and realizing and that example about india today you know you got a plan for some of these things some of these wonderful things that god has
1: okay uh, another area in which we help fulfill each other's dreams is through supporting each other Um, We mentioned earlier, I mentioned earlier, that uh, some dreams are shared and some are individual, and that's all good. Um, I think we like to think that we support each other as spouses. Um, But we need to be safe and uh, trustworthy as our spouse opens up to you. We must also be careful that in that space of trust, we honor the desires of their hearts. For example, some things Lori likes to do, and she gets more time off than me, God bless her. Um, Lori's wanted to go on retreats with her friends. She goes to Joyce Meyer conferences in Phoenix and so on, uh, or St. Louis, I guess, St. Louis. And, um, she did one Africa trip without me. She went and took, uh, Heather Dow, uh, to our Africa project in Uganda. Uh, in fact, she's at, she's been to Hawaii with her mom as a time of healing in her family. And, uh, this coming week, she's actually headed off to a Soyuz with, uh, Veronica from church here. Um, Lori, from a very young age, she shared with me uh, that she's had a dream to write. She could research for hours and hours, but she loves to write. And a story she shared with me uh, is that uh, when she was a little girl, at eight years old, she actually hand-wrote a book. Sixty pages she wrote and stapled it together.
2: I was nine.
1: Eight, nine? I wish I had it now. Yeah. Uh, So she showed this to her sister, and her sister said, you want to write books. That's that's not for you. That's what other people do. Yeah. So, so Lori took that little book and she said she's probably right. She threw it in the garbage. So um, a little comment, some uh, discouraging word or a laugh or anything like that. Be careful with that, right? You're, 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 when your spouse opens up to you, you need to be uh, a safe person. Be careful that you don't mishandle their dreams. But remember, those dreams might not just be something she came up with. It might be from God, right? So until a few years ago, she had forgotten about that writing dream. And it came back, what, about three, four years ago? She said, I remember I used to want to be a writer. So she wanted to sign up for an online Christian writing course, which I supported her in. It was her dream, not mine. So she did that for months and months. She was submitting articles and so on. And to this day, she's actually got titles for chapters and she's assembling works and things like that and uh for the book that she's going to end up writing Mm -hmm. i have a
2: book at home on my computer it's Mm -hmm. not published yeah but it's it's called planet africa this is cool it's actually a planet africa is the name of the series and the name of the book is called destiny interrupted and it's a really good story about a missionary anyway (laughs) but you know (laughs) And I need to practice. I need skills to help me write. I'm not... It's a dream, but I need to help. I need practice. So it crushed me when my sister said that to me. I mean, I didn't write for years and years after she said that. So we have to be really careful. So when you tell your, your spouse your dreams, you know, make sure it's a safe place. But be sure to communicate those hopes and dreams because we don't read minds. We don't know what each other wants out of life, and we're supposed to come alongside and help one another. So make sure you create a safe atmosphere and and communicate your hopes and your dreams and your desires for your life. Uh, Wayne, for many years, wanted a motorcycle. And when we met, he didn't have a motorcycle. He had had a couple. He had worked in a dealership, and he had a car. And after we got married, we started doing these AGMs, and Wayne would say, I want to get a motorcycle. That was one of his things. And I was like, ha, 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 you're so funny. And I just completely dismissed it. And then the next year, come around at the AGM, I want to get a motorcycle. Ha, ha, ha. And, and he kept coming home. <laughs> it wouldn't go away. <laughs> Finally, we got to a place where, you know, yeah, maybe we could afford a motorcycle. So I said, yeah, let's let's do it. Shoom! he was gone. Out the door, getting a bike before I could change my mind.
1: Come on, guys. You I've noticed you've got to
2: be really careful when you say, yeah, go for it. Shoom! he's gone. It's too funny. But you know what? It wasn't important to me. A motorcycle was not important to me, but obviously it was important to him. And so he, I didn't realize that it was in his DNA. I didn't realize that he was so passionate about it. But I didn't realize he was so good at it. He actually sells motorcycles now. He was a motorcycle instructor for a while as well when he left the airline. And a few years ago, Wayne decided that he wanted to do a trip to Alabama. And he wanted to do a race course. It's on a racetrack. They have this beautiful racetrack. He's into sport bikes. So we're talking about sport racing on a racetrack, knee leaned over, doing over 200 kilometers an hour. That's him. That's what he does. Now, look, I didn't know any of that. <laughs> I knew he wanted to ride motorcycles, but he wanted to go to Alabama and do this race school. And the guy who does the race school, he's a, a former world champion, and he opened a school. And he teaches safety and things, but also, you know, practical things. And So he wanted to go to Alabama. Okay, well, can I go to Alabama? Yeah, okay, so we'll go to Alabama. I mean, who goes to Alabama? So we got to go. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> We go down there, and I was blown away by Wayne. God was doing something in our marriage. It was amazing. My eyes were open. I thought, He's an Olympian. He's amazing. Wait a minute, because I had dismissed this former thing like it was nothing. And it was, He's really good at it. He's so good, in fact, He actually qualified to race professionally in the wow. southeastern United States that's how good he is. They would have signed him off right then and there to race. I, I, I tell you what, my eyes were open to value this now, this gift. And one of the things I realized too, is that, you know, when you're on a racetrack, you're, you're focused, you're determined, you're disciplined, you have all this athletic, you know, the things like an athlete has to learn. And those are character things that God used that interest. Like, where does that interest come from? It, it comes from somewhere. He's always been a car guy. He's always been into... He's take, I've been to so many races, you don't even know. Indy car races, you know? Because that's what he's into. And I'm starting to see it as a real blessing. It was a real big mind shift for me. Um, I also, seeing him in the in his element... Uh, He became just much more attractive to me. I saw him as strong. I saw him as very masculine. You know, you don't see a lot of women doing that. (laughs) And so I felt very uh, attracted to him and very protected and very, I don't know. It was really a cool experience. I just know God was opening my eyes to who Wayne is, some of the gifts that is in Wayne. And I'm able to appreciate our differences as an asset to us as a couple. Just because we're different doesn't mean it's not good. He's different than me, and we're not trying to be like one another. We're trying to celebrate one another. Mm -hmm. It's a big difference, right?
1: Yeah. So um, I guess in summary, the the reason for our stories, uh, folks, is it's it's testimony in how God has made little corrections in our life and how um, this taught us to see each other in the spirit. And if you're not sure who your spouse is in the spirit, it's an ongoing process. I don't care if you're not married yet or if you've been married 50 years. Um, It's an ongoing thing. Continue to seek God and ask, you know, who is my spouse? How can I support them, support them in their dreams?
2: And I I think it's like a, a wholeness or something. God is working this whole, more whole people. It's not... Uh, separated or divided he's working this healing and he wants us to be free he wants us to be whole people you know he wants us to be celebrated in our gifts and our interests right it's not wrong they're not wrong
1: okay so the next area we'd like to move on to here in um fulfilling each other's dreams is giving your spouse room to change and grow Changes as we go through life. I should hope that we're not the same at 30 years of age as we were at 10. We're also not the same at 60 as we were at 30. Uh, It is transformation after all. God's continuing to do a work in our lives and in your lives, of course. Uh, Lori's not the same. I love the wife of my youth, but I love the wife in my 40s even better. She's richer in the food of the Spirit. Uh, For example, she's always been a strong, confident woman, which is one of the things that attracted to me her, to her, Um, and I've learned she's usually right. She's always held strong convictions as well. Um, These days, Lori is, as we both are, slower to anger as we've matured in the Lord. Lori's an air traffic controller, and there are many procedures and rules on her job, and She's very good at what she does. In fact, she probably holds more licenses within air traffic control than almost anybody else in the country. How many do you have? Four, four different licenses, different sectors. And uh, she's now, what, most senior in your sector or whatever? Yeah. So there's... Don't remind me. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I'm getting old. <laughs>
1: um, but it takes sort of a strong person to become an air traffic controller. So she works with a lot of strong-willed people. But there's all these operations manuals. And occasionally, years ago, before we fully matured in the spirit, we're still working on that. But um, sometimes people would challenge her with some procedure. And uh, Lori would say, no, it's not the way it is. It's not what it says in the ops manual, they call it, the operations manual. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Back and forth. Finally, Lori would get a little bit angry, get out the operations manual, and prove them wrong. Uh, To the point where they dubbed Lori... The (laughs) Lorinator. Yes, this gentle flower. I had
2: an anger (laughs) problem. (laughs) God is healing me. (laughs)
1: Um, So today she still has a strength of character. And I Uh, still
2: have the nickname.
1: (laughs) I still have the nickname. Um, But she's a lot more considerate, more soft-hearted, and developed into a wonderful, giving, praying, interceding woman of God.
2: Thank you, honey. And it's it's awesome when we change and we grow. And Mm -hmm. one of the things that um, we have to realize, too, is that life has different times. It has different seasons. Things are not always the same. Um, You may have had a vision or a dream for your life when you were a child. But now that you've grown and developed, you're able to enter into that dream now. Because you have the maturity, you have the character, you have the... Ability to handle the responsibility, right? When I was nine, around the same time that I was writing the book, I had a wanted to go to Africa. I wanted to minister to little kids in Africa at nine. And when I was 23, I was studying air traffic control in Ottawa. And I remember seeing Oxfam, you know, the Oxfam uh, ministry, or it's a ministry to the poor in there, but it. It was very political, but I, all I knew is it had something to do with Africa. So I went in and I looked around. And I was like, I'm, and I was not a Christian then. And I'm looking for my Africa connection and I couldn't find it. And I walked out and I remember walking down Spark Street and I go, okay, God, I'm just going to lay this down. I don't know how to find this Africa thing you want me to do. But it never ever left my heart. And then many years later, I became a Christian. And I ended up going to Africa when I was 40. So I had this dream in my heart for 31 years that I carried with me. So when Africa finally happened, it was a, I knew that I knew that I knew it was God. And it was so cool. So, so what the point of me saying that is some dreams are for now and some dreams are for a distant season. You know, it's like a prophetic word. Sometimes when someone gives you a prophetic word, you think, oh, and you hold on to it but meanwhile, it's for five years from now, and you're to pray into that. We don't understand sometimes how it works, right? But the dream may be for now, or the dream may be for a distant season. So the question that you can ask God, and you can talk about it, you know, with your spouse, what season am I in now? And I I really sense in the spirit that we are in a new season as a body, and God's stirring up these dreams again. He's stirring us up and giving us courage and and, and um, calling us to step into these new things that he wants to do. Make sure that you know what that is. If Maybe you're, this is your season to raise children, and that's okay. Like, you know, there's you don't have to do everything all at once. I heard one time somebody said, God is a time is God's way of making sure everything doesn't happen at once. And I just love that. Because I've tried to do everything at once. It does not work. (laughs) You just get burnt out. You just get exhausted. So whatever your season is, give yourself to your season. Whatever that is. And God will show you what it is. And if he's stirring dreams and visions in you now and reminding you of things, it's because this season is upon us as a church. It's very exciting. Mm.
1: It's great. Another area we want to talk about today, fulfilling each other's dreams through communication. Communication is huge. Men and women are different in the way we communicate. Yeah. We've learned that men like to do things, right, Sam? Women like to have long talks and express their feelings. This is why <laughs> this is why guys like to hang out with guys and do stuff, go golfing, watch a game or a race on TV or something like that, whereas women like to get together for coffee and talk. We have to adapt to each other's styles as men and women, uh, but also as individuals. Um, I'm a provider of gifts and services. That's kind of how I express my love for Lori. And I like what... Um, There was a couple of examples about, uh, I think, what was it, popcorn, Randy, earlier on, chocolate from Sam. So I do things for Lori. Um, I clean her car, and I clean the house, and I keep things tidy. I run errands. And when I'm, uh, yeah, I'm very, very trained. Um, (laughs) Actually, it is. I've always been neat my, my uh, my whole upbringing. But, um, like, when I'm out running errands and I see things like um, maybe a snack that she likes or chocolate that she likes or whatever, I think I want to surprise Lori with that. One thing she really loves is uh, the cherry blossoms. You guys ever had those? Yeah, yeah. She likes those. So, every now and then, I'll surprise her with some of those or maybe some flowers or, or something. Um, so, that's kind of how I communicate. Guys, do you want to be countercultural? Yeah. Um, tell your friends or your coworkers that tonight you've got a hot date. Just let it hang and tell them it's with your wife. How awesome is that? I've done that with coworkers. They go, really? They think that something's afoot. What's going on? (laughs) It's with my wife. Okay. Um, I tell my friends that um, my wife is my priority. Lori does work shift work, but when we're off, she gets the first of my time. My friends just assume that if she's off, we're spending that time together. So they don't bug me for that anymore. There's friends time, but there's Lori time. I've also learned that as you go through life, because we've done this a few years, friends come and go, but Lori's always a constant. So she gets the first of my fruit that way. Um, here's another thing I did to ex- kind of express, maybe without words, how I felt about Lori. I came home and I surprised Lori with this. Okay, I had this made. I custom made this up. No. Nope. We were about to head off on an all-inclusive trip to the Caribbean. I said, I'm going to wear this at this couple's resort. And the looks were interesting, like puzzlement, to thumbs up. Hey, I love that shirt. Comments like that, often from the women, like, that's a great shirt. To which my wife would say, he had that made up. Yeah. Yeah. So my wife was beaming. So that was just another way that I expressed uh, how I loved her. Uh, We still need to communicate in a language that our spouse understands. Um, I'm not that verbal, but uh, I try and show things. I'm getting better at expressing my feelings. Um, (laughs) uh, Not in the beginning, but I guess as we started walking with the Lord, we started attending marriage conferences. And if you guys haven't done that, plug in. I think, Sam, you were alluding to that in the beginning, of, during the introduction, about plug in, plug into marriage conferences. Uh, your marriage does need maintenance. It's just like a car or anything like that. You have to kind of maintain it. And uh, so we have been attending marriage conferences, and they were talking about communication and you know how to communicate men and women and, uh, as husband and wife in, in a godly way. These were Christian uh, marriage conferences. But, of course, Lori and I would still have the occasional disagreement And um, because we could both be a little stubborn, maybe not fully uh, uh, walking with the Lord maybe the way we should have. We were working on it. Um, When we would have a disagreement, we were really good at the silent treatment. Sorry wasn't in my vocabulary. It was the Cold War all over again. We could do back-to-back marriage like nobody's business for days on end. during one of these arguments after one of the conferences i realized i was wrong god told me i was wrong and i was going to have to fix it so at the end of the day when we'd had that argument i went to lori who was gone to bed and reading and i approached her and i apologized you know what her reaction was it's was the first time i'd ever actually said i was sorry <laughs> and we were several years into our marriage her reaction was she burst into tears Leapt out of bed and gave me a big hug. Breakthrough, yeah. something changed in the spirit. Something broke. Now, if we have a disagreement, we're much faster to turn face to face to one another, good. apologize when we're wrong, Amen. ask forgiveness, and return to that face-to-face marriage that uh, that we're here promoting today. Mm-hmm. So, with the D word off the table, we've learned to fight well. Randy, we've learned to fight well. It's not about always getting along all the time. Sometimes it doesn't go that smooth always. It gets better always. Of course you keep working on it, maintaining it. But with the D word off the table, it's not a threat anymore. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it's humbling yourself before the other person and that whatever happened there spiritually just changed everything. It was like, wow, I felt really loved, I felt really heard by him. I felt like he really cared about me. I felt like he cared about my feelings and that my feelings were hurt, and he took ownership of that. He grew in my eyes. It was not a weakness. He became a bigger man to me because he did that. And it it was such an amazing uh, time in our relationship. Uh, Don't participate with the accuser. That's another part of communication and communicating well. Uh, you know, the enemy, you have an enemy of your soul, and he hates you. He hates your life. He hates your marriage. He hates your kids. He hates what you're going to do for God. He does not like He wants to destroy it. He wants to destroy your communication. He wants to divide you so that he can get your dreams, so that your dreams won't succeed. Really. And kind of when you see it, it's like, oh, Yeah. We decided not to participate with the enemy, enemy's accusations. And it's not, because we made this D word um, decision at the beginning, it's not like we never hear the D word. We hear it. When we argue, we hear, oh, you might as well get a divorce. You might as well, he doesn't care about you. You know, it's like, shut up. No. And it's because we made that decision. The D word's off the table. I know it's not my voice talking, It's not God's voice talking.
1: Not my voice.
2: It's the enemy. (laughs) He wants to wreck what we have. So by taking the D word off the table, we've actually diffused the power of it. Mm -hmm. It's not a temptation to us. It just totally isn't. It's not something that's going to click right away. You you, you know, we've had years to practice this too, right? But don't think that just because you're having a fight and if you hear the D word and you're not... we don't entertain it anymore. Yeah. The enemy will come to me and say, Wayne did this, Wayne did that, he doesn't... But it's like, shut up. Wayne is a man of God in Jesus' name. Get away from me, Satan. And you know, you can talk back to the devil. You can say, I'm not going to partner with, with the destroyer. I'm not going to. So it's kind of a decision that we've made. And I've actually defend Wayne in the face of that accusation, just like Jesus does. Mm-hmm. Jesus defends Wayne. So I'm going to defend Wayne, because I want what we have to succeed and be amazing. We discovered that fighting well means being mindful of the other person's heart and feelings and protecting the relationship above all else. I've determined, and we've both decided, I'd rather protect the relationship than be right. Sometimes, and you know, you got to swallow your pride sometimes, but for the sake of peace and harmony in our family, okay, let's disagree. Let's agree to disagree. Maybe we let something slide. Because my relationship and my value for Wayne and his heart is more important than being right. Does that make sense? One of the things we learned too is um, how to communicate. We were taught this. These are some tips in the communication section that we were taught when we were, did a... Um, it was Campus Crusade for Christ, and it's power to change now. And they do a marriage conference every year, and it was amazing. And they talk about skills. You know, we're not all that great in communicating, and so we have to learn some skills. So this, this was a skill that they taught us, and, and we put this into practice all the time. It's really made a big difference. And it's trying not to be accusatory of the other person when you disagree. Try not to say, you know, we often go, you did this, you did that. And what happens when we do that is just, you think about when you're accused, you know, this wall comes up. And it just, it blocks intimacy. It, it, it wrecks whatever safety you had. So we're very careful to say, rather than you statements, you can say I statements. Like, I feel sad when this happens. So you've taken the accusation out of it. All you're doing is sharing your thoughts, your feelings, your needs. You're sharing your needs, right? Um, And it's been very powerful for us. We're actually able to communicate uh, each other very well. You're creating an atmosphere of safety. And that's what we're trying to, to get across. Because we're always going back to fulfilling God's dreams, fulfilling your dreams. And if the atmosphere is not safe for you to share... It's not safe for you to support each other. You just won't do that. So that's what we're talking about communication. We've also decided that we need to deal with our own baggage. You know what I mean by baggage. We all bring issues into our relationship from our family of origin. And sometimes they're hot-button issues. Sometimes they're things that bring us a perspective on life or we see life through a lens and Wayne can have his perspective on something, and I have a perspective on something, and neither one of us may be right. Maybe it's something else going on. I'll give you an idea of what I'm talking about. Uh, once, it, this is kind of a recurring theme in our relationship for many years. We would have the same argument over and over again. It was always about a different thing. Like, I'm going to talk about an onion here. It wasn't always about an onion. It was about something was going on beneath the surface. And we just kept having the same argument over and over and it finally got resolved Jesus resolved it like a year ago or so and what happened was Wayne had come home and I was cooking and he I was cutting an onion and we were talking about his day and he said you know if you cut the onion this way and chop it this way it'll go faster
1: it'll be smaller pieces
2: <laughs> and i hit the ceiling i hit the ceiling i was so angry I was like, Why are you trying to control me? Stop trying to control me. Stop trying to tell me what to do. You're always telling me what to do. You know, and it goes into this, you're always... Yeah, the Lord name, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Stop trying to control me. And we had this huge fight over a stupid onion. So he goes in the living room, and I went in the bathroom. And I went, and he, you know, we're both mad at each other now. We're doing this back-to-back silent treatment thing. I go into the bathroom, and I'm going... Lord, 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 help me, help me, help me, help me. He's trying to control me. I don't know what to do. Help me, help me, Him. And I'm just crying out for grace, you know. And in the moment, I heard the Lord in a still small voice say, He's not trying to control you. And I went, He's not? No. Well, what's going on then? He's not trying to control you, He's trying to teach you. And it was revelation. I felt like I was flooded with revelation. He's trying to teach me. Well, yeah, Wayne is the teacher. Hello. Oh, and honestly, my anger disappeared. I ran out of the bathroom and ran to him. And I said, Wayne, Wayne, God told me you're not trying to control me. And he goes, duh, of course not. (laughs) You know, and I said, and he, I said, you're a teacher. You're a teacher. Yeah, yeah, I know. (laughs) That was revelation to me. I did not know that. So now, I, when he shares things like that with me, I go, oh, it's his teaching gift coming out. I don't have to get mad. He's not trying to control me. Do you know where that came from? My dad. My dad tried to control the whole family. My dad tried to control my mom, tried to control me. So I built up this thing, and I was looking at it like, I'm never going to let anybody control me. So anytime he told me what to do, you know, and it was he didn't mean anything by it. I was taking it the wrong way. So it's like a hot button and a trigger. And so Jesus, by inviting him in, gave me revelation and kind of healed me of that. Mm-hmm. It's not an issue for us anymore.
1: Yeah, it was only when Jesus was invited in that clarity came. So, yeah, awesome. Um, and last but certainly not least, fulfilling each other's d- dreams in marriage through Prayer. Best for last. We include God in the course of our lives. Daily we pray for each other. It's a comfort to know that God has our back. Um, We include him in our thankfulness, seeking direction, and his will for our lives. We take our dreams and desires to him, and we pray for God's will and his timing to be revealed to us. For example, one, just this is one example of how, through prayer, um, God was able to answer something for Lori and for our family, actually. Um, we don't have kids. We had a black lab, Labrador Retriever, who we had for 13 years, and uh, the time came we had to put her down. My heart was broken, and Lori immediately wanted to get another dog. I was adamant, no, I don't want to do it. No, 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 just stop asking. I didn't want to go through that pain again of losing a dog. Um, she stopped asking, and I thought that was that. She'd stop. But what she was doing, she instead of bugging me, she was now praying to God for another dog. She would go for walks in the park and long for a dog. And it was about a year later that I felt that still small voice say, you should go and look for a puppy, another Labrador. And I did, and I surprised Lori with it. But God had to soften my heart through her prayer. There's no amount of her doing this was going to convince me. I had to sort of come around in my own time with the Lord's leading. So now we have a black Labrador named Maggie.
2: It was very cool because when Wayne came home with that dog, I knew it was an amazing blessing. But I also knew it was answer prayer. And I just cried and I, I was very encouraged by that whole thing, you know. So your prayers matter they can actually bring dreams to fruition i'm a prayer warrior i totally believe in prayer and interesting um i used to pray you know change him change him <laughs> now i don't do that i go lord change me make me the kind of wife that he needs because you know i can only change me I, with god's help i can't do anything about him the lord was asking me to accept wayne and then work with him to become the kind of wife that he needs and it was a very powerful moment when the lord showed me that one of the things that you can employ in your uh prayer life is to declare god's promises over your family we do that regularly i do that in particular because i'm very passionate about that get to know god's word and declare it decree it over your family Realize that there's going to be warfare. There's going to be warfare against your marriage succeeding. There's going to be warfare against you fulfilling your dreams. There's going to be warfare about um, God fulfilling his dreams for your life your life as a couple and individually. We're also battling the flesh too, right? You don't have to feel like it to do it. That's what I've learned. Sometimes you don't feel like, I don't feel like loving them. Thanks a lot, you know, I, I'm hurt or whatever. You can choose. i discover discovered the power of the will. So it was a great revelation to me. Um, get to know God's character as a couple so that when you're going through tough times, you don't question his love. Because that's what we do, right? When we go through tough things, you know, God, don't you love me? Aren't you here? Aren't you here? What, where are you? You know. When you know God's character and you know his word, you can stand on that in, those, in the evil day. You can stand on that and, and go through and get that breakthrough on the other side. We want to encourage you to pray for yourself. Pray for your spouse. Pray together. Pray apart. Just pray. Uh, you have the ability to bless your marriage or curse your marriage. You know, it says in uh, Proverbs eighteen twenty-one: the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. So be mindful of the words and the ability of your words to bless your marriage. Or curse your marriage. It was a big revelation that the Lord gave me a number of years ago. Watch what you say. So I bless my marriage in Jesus' name. I decree blessings over my marriage. You know, we're blessed going in. We're blessed going out. We're above and up beneath. We're the head and not the tail. You know, the more word you know and the more you can decree and declare, there's power in the word to bring it about whatever that change is that God wants to bring it about. We're in midlife now, Wayne and I, although we look really good, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, we? We've found that God has actually helped us fulfill some of the dreams that he's put on our heart. Now that we're in midlife and we can kind of look back and we can look forward. It's not over till it's over, you know. But it's wonderful to be able to look back and see some of the wonderful things that God has been able to do for us. And it's, it's a life posture really of prayer. And submission to god that has helped bring a lot of that about so when god calls you you know to do something puts a dream on your heart we've discovered just just do it just step out and god is going to give you um confirmation he'll give you confirmations like i just kind of felt like sharing a little bit of when it's a dream from god like what will you feel like what will you know you'll know you'll get that confirmation there'll also be unity in the spirit there'll be unity. A lot of times if Wayne and I don't agree on something, we kind of don't want to do it because we don't want to bring any division. We want to be unified going forward because sometimes, sometimes he might have the right thing to do and I'm on the wrong timing. So he may want to go into something and I hold back or the other way around. And so maybe it's the right word, but the wrong time. So you want to be unified together as you step out together. And then you're stepping into an anointing together. And it really brings a a great blessing. Um, God, we found, will give you peace about it. He'll give you the faith that you need. He'll give you the grace that you need to carry it out. We found that he may even fulfill a dream during a disappointment. And one of the disappointments was pretty major when our adoption failed. Uh, We had that five-year adoption journey. We'd actually been battling before that to have children for a long time, and then we decided to do the adoption, and it didn't work out. And we felt God had led us to that, and it just didn't. And so what do we do now? And the people who we were with were pressuring us, do you want to go to another area and adopt another child? And we didn't feel peace about that. So we said, let's just wait, and we're just going to pray about it and find out what God wants to do. And We had to deal with the disappointment ourselves And together but for me personally I went to the Lord It was a very poignant moment because um, I felt like I was at a crossroads In life Okay the adoption failed I'm 40 now What do I do now do I want to go even farther What does you have for us Lord So I went into my prayer closet And I knelt down And I felt like I had the cross in front of me And I could go this way And pursue another adoption or I could go this way into the unknown you see like the arms of the cross that's what I was seeing and I said Lord I'm not moving from this T intersection in the road until you tell me to move I don't know what which way to go I'm not moving and I worshipped God I didn't worry about it or anything I just said I'm just gonna stay in this worshiping position and you know I stayed like that for six months I didn't think it was going to be that long, but I did. I didn't hear anything from him, and Wayne didn't hear anything. We were attending a Bible study at that time, and Wayne and I went, and the people who were leading the Bible study were going to Uganda. And we both went, Africa, right. We forgot about that and the dream.
1: 31 years.
2: 31 years. It was a dream, and the Lord opened a door, you know, so sometimes when a door closes, another door opens, and we ended up going down there and ministering to a bunch of little kids, starting an orphanage, and helping to plant a church, and that was God's dream for us, but we didn't know that, you know, so he can He can actually work out a dream, his dream for you, even in the midst of things when you don't know they're, why they're happening, or it's dis- you're disappointed You can, you know that there, you can be People are going to pressure you to make a decision quickly But you can take your time We were pressured You can take your time because you're trying to discern You're trying to hear And your spouse may get a word That you're not going to get Like Wayne's God's going to say stuff to Wayne That he's not going to say to me necessarily Because Wayne's the leader of our home and I've had to really realize, okay, I'm going to humble myself and listen to Wayne. Because God's going to speak to Wayne. Maybe he's not going to speak to me. Maybe it's a test. I don't know. I just want to submit to the Lord and, and to the godly leadership that I have. It's like a covering. It's really beautiful.
1: So we're almost at the end here, folks. Um, so just to summarize... Uh, Take ownership of your marriage. That's what we encourage you. That's what we do. Um, You can tear it down or you can build it up. The tongue has power um, and your actions, of course. So just take ownership is what we're encouraging you. Uh, Be intentional uh, about building it up. Be intentional and always include God, prayer, uh, in your areas of finances, in supporting each other, communication, and... um, just you know, just keep God included. Keep Him at the center. Um, you're a gift to your partner. Remember the three-year-old Lori. Um, you are that person. You're the response, and uh, it's a responsibility. And um, you know, help make life more enjoyable for each other. That's what we're encouraging here. Be the husband or wife that your spouse dreamed of. Um, help fulfill their dreams, and keep God at the center of your lives. We've got. Um, just almost at the end, it's almost 5.30. Uh, we've got something to, a little bit of homework, I guess, if you will. It's just a worksheet, and it's one per person. And it may help you to uh, open up some discussion, foster some uh, from some talking, and maybe even uh, get you started on your own AGM. So here, honey, you wanna grab a couple and just pass a few out. Yeah, so one per person. Yeah, just a few questions on there uh, to kind of get get the conversation started. Uh, for example, name some qualities that you admire about each other. You know, I, I understand this could be maybe a little challenging for some, but uh, we're just trying to get some conversation going. Um, so have a read through the questions. I won't read them all through right now. It's just a little takeaway item that if you want to spend a little time in the next uh, coming weeks or whatever, maybe. i, think... mm-hmm. I got lots. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Sam. There's lots up here, too. Thanks. Yeah, so a little homework just to kind of foster some discussion and kind of get that uh, communication thing going here. Just get the last of the copies out and then I'll turn it back over to Sam. Anybody didn't get one or any in the back or downstairs? We've got a few extras. All right, so there we go. That's, uh, that's kind of a wrap for us and uh, we'll turn it back over to Sam here if you're ready, Sam. Yep. All right. Thanks a lot, guys.